You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Van Flip Podcast. I'm sitting here with Brian from the Long Island, uh, Long Island, New York, hardcore-based band Incendiary. Welcome to the show, Brian. How you doing today, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. First time, uh, first time, long time. First time, long time. First podcast you've ever done, or not first podcast okay. I've ever done. First uh, official, I think, interaction with Lamb Goat I've ever I've ever had. So that's it's, fine. It's that's an fine. honor. You guys have been on the website for a long time, um, off and on throughout the career of the band. I think yep. uh, we reviewed uh, going through the uh, the what do you call it? The back history or the archives? There you go. That was what I was searching for. Going through the archives. I saw that we did review uh, your 2017 album Thousand Mile Stare, and it got a nine. So wow. uh, I don't know Holy how you shit. guys finagled that, but uh, yeah, uh, apparently a nine is technically a ten in the Lamb Goat world because of um, you graded on a curve. Yeah, it's a little curve. snarkiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like tens are a classic, you know, albums that whatever gold sort of. I don't know what they would call it, but yeah. So, but kudos to you guys on that. Um, but you know, you guys. After, I guess around COVID, you guys kind of like took more of a break than you probably wanted to. Uh, you know, you had some tours lined up when when COVID happened, and we don't have to get into the COVID stuff. We've talked about it endlessly on the podcast, but you know, you did have some things lined up that uh, were taken from you guys, and but you also did like uh, a couple things after that too, some shows, some yep. uh, appearances, and and whatnot. But the big news is obviously you guys are back. Uh, kind of in full force with your uh the new album coming out change the way you think about pain and um, that's right i honestly have to admit i've been listening to it almost endlessly since we've gotten the release of the digital wow, Advance. awesome man so love to hear that yeah Great. yeah it's uh you got you hooked me on the first the first single and when i got the advance it's just kind of been in constant rotation so great yeah it's more where that came from yeah, yeah good good great. oh no i know i know that yeah the fan base yeah. will definitely know that no, that's, uh, soon that's great that, that's great to hear i mean we you know we always kind of did do things in a bubble and you know we recorded the record uh about this time last year so it's been it's been done for like you know 10 months or so and we uh, we kept it really close to the chest because we didn't want um, you know we didn't want people that we know even in our circle kind of being over it by the oh, time yeah. it actually comes oh, yeah. out and getting and getting burned out on it. So we haven't really gotten much much feedback on the record at all yet. Um, I mean we're all super proud of it, but um, it's nice to hear that uh, you know somebody that's actually heard the thing by now it's uh, it's it's landing with them. Yeah, and I mean uh, you know I do um, spend a lot of time with music too, so it's one of the ones that I tend to go back to uh, listening to throughout the week or whatnot. So yeah, I, I cool. definitely am looking forward to you guys hitting the road too, and hopefully we guys can, we can catch you at some point. I don't know if you guys have anything announced as of yet, but this shows. Of, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you have a couple off uh, one-off shows and some appearances, but I don't necessarily know if you have like a full support tour announced for that or anything. Nah, yet. nothing like that. I mean, that's never really been part of the 
you know, part of the incendiary plan. Um, it it torn, torn that extensively. Um, we do, um, you know, we kind, we kind of do as much as we can around some of our commitments in our, in our personal lives, um, which, you know, that usually translates to us doing, you know, um, a few flyouts, one-offs, when festival mm-hmm, opportunities mm-hmm. come out, uh, come up, we're able to, to make them happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, we just announced um, most of our dates for 2023 following the record release. And, um, you know, we're covering, we're covering a good amount of ground. I'm pretty happy with it. We're hitting, uh, um, we're going back to L.A. finally, which we haven't been to since before the pandemic, which yeah. is like, you know, our, our last show in L.A. was one of our best incendiary shows literally ever in the history of the band. So we're, we're super excited to get back there finally. Um, we're getting to Detroit and Chicago um which both kind of overdue to uh to come back and play detroit we just haven't been able to uh to get there for a while and finally got a good opportunity with uh with tied down fest and Mm -hmm. then chicago we we owed chicago one we uh you know we had to unfortunately cancel our last uh scheduled chicago show we Mm -hmm. were we got invited by knock loose to play they are kind of like um shows are back again show yeah yeah in chicago um at the Metro, which is, you know, a huge, sick venue. Um, and then there was some fucking crazy torrential hurricane type weather in New York when we were trying to fly out and um, it, it fucked the whole thing up. So anyway, we had to we had to bail on our last Chicago show, but we're coming back with um, with a real cool one that we're excited about with Drain, actually. Yeah, I see yeah. on, your, on your shirt there. Right here, yeah. Um, hell yeah. Um, and then, yeah, a few other things. We're doing a, bi- a big record release show in, in Brooklyn. Um, in june we're doing um a philly headliner mm-hmm. similar to la where like our last philly show was one of one of the best shows we've ever had so we're we're excited to go back and play play for them again they've always taken care of us whether it's you know a, this is hardcore or a church show um philly's always been good to us we're, we're excited about that one too awesome had the pandemic not happened would you guys have kind of maintained your previous kind of like album album cycle because you used to kind of do like three four years you know, every three, four years, you guys would drop like a full length or whatnot. And obviously, since we did have like a pause in time, you guys, you know, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily count that, but it technically has been six years since, you know, yeah. um, the 2017 so album. So it, it, it was five years, I believe, between Cost of Living and Thousand Miles Stare. And then, yeah, it'll be six years between Thousand Miles Stare and, uh, and this new one. Um, you know, honestly, I don't, um, I think one of the, the silver linings and benefits of the pandemic was being able to kind of set the time aside to, uh, you know, to write more music. And, you know, I know we all wanted to kind of still put the same amount of energy that we'd always put into the band, um, into the band. And if that wasn't playing shows for, you know, a year and a half there, that turned into, you know, practicing and writing and and committing to do a record. So it kind of, um, you know, I'm not going to say if it wasn't for the pandemic, it it wouldn't have happened, but it certainly made it, um, you know, made it made it more of a priority and gave all of us kind of like, you know, a little more purpose <laughs> during that time yeah. because nobody's doing shit. Nobody's got anything going on. You know, band practice sometimes can be, you know, can feel like an obligation, something you have to do before a show or, or yeah. something like that. But, you know, it quickly became like the most fun, exciting thing that we had going on that week. You know, we get to see our friends when things were opening up and feeling a little safer um and you know fucking play guitar loud again (laughs) you know and 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 start making something new so um you know it it really gave us a time that we may not have otherwise had to really commit and and organize um you know new material that we that we felt good about and um 
and you know put out another record. Yeah. How um how long did it guys take you to write? Because you said you recorded it last year. So um, you know, how, were you obviously you probably weren't in a rush because you didn't know at that particular time, you know, when you would be able to hit the studio or get back into the normal swing of things. But how long did it take to write the record for you guys? And was it like a lot of deliberating on what to make, uh, what makes the record and what doesn't make the record before recording? Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'll, I'll answer the first part. I guess me and uh, Dan, our drummer, started getting together in around June of 2020. Um, we were the first to, you know, when things were, were kind of opening back up in New York and feeling safer in New York, um, we were, um, Dan and I were getting together in the practice space and working on some material that, you know, that I had built up while I was just home by myself with a guitar. Um, and we started working on stuff, yeah, like June of 2020. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly the two of us. The other guys started joining in um, closer to the end of the year um, in in December. Um, by that time, we had we had about half the record written. Maybe four or five of the ten songs um, were you know were in a good spot and and laid out. And you know once the other guys started you know had had the ability to start to start coming to practice more, um, you know we kind of you know made a decision and committed like all right like let's do this like at that point we had enough material where we could have gone either way on it it could have been an ep that came out a little sooner or we could you know if we thought we still had the material um which which i believe that we did let's commit and do another lp um which you know that was kind of a decision too um you know i think we we didn't really know what to do honestly like we don't we didn't feel like we really needed to put out another record period right. you know like um i don't think any like but if it, it felt like people wanted it like every time we would post anything related to the band whether it was like a shirt or a show or a you know one of the charity you know charity things we were doing mm -hmm. during during the pandemic like comments were always like new music when new record what's going like so it felt like there was a demand for it but um ultimately we decided on an lp um i don't know i just it's we're we're kind of like an lp band everything we've done more split seven inches than any band needs to do already <laughs> so yeah um that format um is kind of kind of ran its course for us so yeah we, we just committed and said let's let's spend the rest of uh the rest of this year getting this material together and and put together an lp yeah is it hard to kind of juggle the wanting to do that with the not having to do that um with the way that you like incendiary is set up because like obviously you yeah. said it's not not that it's not a big main focus for you guys but it also it kind of feels more like it is like a side passion project thing that you guys do sure. when you feel the need to do that Hey, what's up? It's Lurk. Looks like you're enjoying the podcast. If you are and you like what we're doing here on the Van Flip, why don't you go ahead and pause this and give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to find out any information on your favorite bands from the hardcore and metal scene, visit lambgoat.com. And to stay in the loop about everything that we post on lambgoat.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and you head over to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at lambgoat. Are you a full-grown adult and you also have a TikTok account? Congrats. Follow us on TikTok as well. You can find us under the username lambgoat.com. That's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. Head over to our YouTube channel where we have all of these podcasts in video format plus a lot more content that you should check out. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you hit that notification bell so you're always alerted when we upload new content. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. And as always, if you need any of the links that pertain to the artists on the show today, lambgoat, or myself, you can always find them in the description. Thanks for listening to this message. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's really it. Like there was nothing like, there was nothing like pushing us to do it other than like us wanting to, you know what I mean? Like 
like I said, like we were excited about getting mm -hmm. together and writing again, and we had the material, and it was and it was falling into a good place. Um, you know, I think um, it can be hard sometimes to uh, you know to to accelerate things and get on a and get on a page and get things done without a deadline. So once we were kind of serious about it, we started thinking about you know studios and where to record and, and looking at times, um, which was a little tricky just because a our schedules personally are are fucking nuts and difficult yeah. to work with for most for most producers, but also like you know everybody was recording during that time because it was the only thing you could really do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was um, you know we, we we found some time later um, the, the following May. And once we had like that committed and like a deadline, that kind of like forces things to happen and forces things to get done, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we naturally felt like we wanted to be doing it and then having that deadline really kind of made it happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, also trying to get time with Will, Will Putney for those who don't know, but Will Putney, uh, get, getting time with Will is probably a little hard too, cause he's high in demand these last couple of years in general. Sure is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I cannot, yeah, I can't thank and, and praise will enough he is the man he really felt like you know an, an extra member of the band an extension of the band he's been a trusted advisor like when we were you know he was the first phone call obviously when we were getting ready to do this and you know I've, and i told him this too like at the time like we weren't sure like who we wanted to record it because we knew we wanted it to be a little we knew we wanted it to be delivered a little differently and we were just thinking of ways how do we distance it from the, the prior record yeah. um and you know, one of those things obviously could be production, recognizing that you know incendiary songs are largely incendiary songs. So you know, a change in production might you know help us accomplish that. But after talking to Will, like his, like he he wanted to do it. You know, like he was, um, he's like, no, I can make this record for you guys. I know, I know what you want to do. Like, and it was hard to deny. You know, just him, his kind of like desire and like passion to work with us. It was flattering and humbling and. Um, you know, it was again. I've I've said it before, but like recording is my least favorite part of, of doing <laughs> bands, and recording with him is some of the coolest shit I've ever done in my life. It's always so fun and comfortable, and we get great stuff out of it. And yeah, ever since we've we've started working with him, like he he just feels he just feels like he's in it with you and yeah. cares as much as you do, and at, but at the same time is also able to make very objective, unbiased, you know opinions and feedback and, and suggestions in the process which ultimately you know elevate the whole thing and make make for a better a better record yeah when did you guys get linked up with him uh he, he worked on the previous record but was it did you guys link get linked up previous previously to that yeah i mean well will is like a new jersey east coast hardcore yeah. guy yeah i was gonna um, say like how did you guys so, meet was it through bands or just through local scenes yeah. or something yeah okay yeah exactly like it was um i mean we have a million mutual friends right, in right, similar right. circles but I, the way we actually met was um brendan our vocalist um got asked to do a guest vocal spot on uh an acacia strain record oh, cool. in like i think it was like maybe nine years yeah. ago or so yeah, by now day. um the name of the record escapes me but anyway um he got invited to do uh, a guest spot will was recording it at his studio in new jersey and, um, you know, I took the ride with Brendan out there to go hang out while he did it. We met Will, um, and he was an incendiary fan. We brought him some merch. He was stoked. Um, the track that Brendan did came out awesome. And, um, you know, when it was time to do, uh, do our next record at the time, which was Thousand Miles Stare, he was like the, like, 
like the Hail Mary kind of the like, you don't get what you don't ask for. Let's just ask, <laughs> yeah. you know, let's just ask. Um, not really thinking that he'd be down to do it or we would, he'd, you know, he could do it at a rate that we were going to be able to, you know, afford. Um, and he was down, he was down, he was excited about it. It was, and like, I mean, what I say, it was the best experience I'd ever had up until that point. You know, we, we work largely on, you know, nights and long weekends and we were, we were able to kind of just lock into a studio and stay there and really be like invested in it more than we'd really ever done in the past mm -hmm. where, you know, we'd just be going in at night and going home there. We were able to kind of stay at, stay at, at the studio. It's like a full experience, you know, like a full yeah. recording experience. Yeah. I felt like I was in fucking chili peppers or something <laughs> for, for a couple weekends there. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, um, but go ahead, yeah, it was awesome. Up. Oh, sorry. I didn't know if you had more to say. Uh, yeah. So, like, what what we've had Will on the podcast before. I think uh, during the pandemic, actually. Um, what is the like when you get in with him? Like, say, like you said, like it's a hail mary kind of request, and even though you kind of have some kind of you know uh, connections with him, uh, and obviously I'm asking you, but you may not even know uh, his, you know, his uh, rec whatever he. However, he his does resume. It. Yeah, no, no, not his resume. Whatever process. he, yeah, his pro. There it is, his process. Uh, as to picking bands, like who he selects, but like, do you know, like, if you're in, like, once you're in, like, you're always in. Like, if he enjoys working with you, he'll always make time for you. You just have to find that time within his schedule at some point. Or, I mean, it. it I can only speak from my experience, and from my experience, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, we got along great with him. Um, it's just like, yeah, it just felt like seeing an old friend again when we got back together and work and and started working again. Um, and you know, it, it just, it made the, it makes the whole thing easier when you kind of like trust the hands that you're in. And, you know, he won my trust very early on in, on the, on the last record that we did with him, mm -hmm. our first record with Will, um, thousand miles there. Um, you know, I had heard Will going into that. I had heard that he was like very hands-on with the material and this and that. And like, I am admittedly, you know, a little, uh, against that per se. No, just like I know, like I get very married to my ideas. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I recognize that, but um, I was like, "Damn, I wonder how that's gonna go." <laughs> um, but dude, I'm telling you, like, the, literally, like, the first two suggestions that he had were like obviously way better. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Yep, that's obviously what we should do." So like, he just won my trust right away. So um, kind of like then it, was, then it was easy to kind of like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of was easy for you to take a back seat and let mm -hmm. someone else, you know, handle the exactly. ba handle like, your baby for a little it. bit. You know, yeah, yeah. And even even with with this new one, you know, we explained what we what we wanted to do. We wanted it to be a little more a little harsher, a little more aggressive. Um, we thought the material was was coming out that way, and you know, a lot of it was was on purpose. Um, you know, I think incendiary being an, an aging hardcore band going into its fourth LP, I think, you know, the, an expectation could be that, you know, it's getting a little more anthemic and whoa, whoa, whoa. And these guys are playing a lot of Euro festivals now. So, you know, maybe it's getting a little, um, you know, it's getting a little more, the, the edges are going dull a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we were like, nah, we gotta go the other way <laughs> from that. Like, let's make it sharper harsher more aggressive in in the songs and in in the production and everything and he just got understood the assignment from like day one yeah. like same thing same thing again like we kind of gave him like a new uh a, a new idea and a new set of guidelines that we were trying to work with and he just nailed it from the start and it made it very easy for us to kind of trust him from there on out yeah did you really feel like uh like you just said like 
did you really feel like you got that feedback from fans uh, that you were headed in that direction and you guys needed to kind of course correct? No, I can only speak for like how I interpret okay, okay. bands. You I, know, say, I, had, I, I didn't really hear that in the in the rustlings of the internet the last couple of years or anything. So. Yeah, it, it, maybe that's in my head. Then, <laughs> but that was that's what I that's what I always thought. I mean, think about it. Like when I think of like hardcore bands that are putting out several also, LPs, like it gets from... a little more. But you're yeah. from New York, and you you know hardcore is also you know for the most part from New York too. So growing up in New York, hardcore even that even that form of hardcore is different. And no offense to the kind of hardcore you guys play, so it's it, yeah. you know it's evolved in ways. And so yeah, you know I guess being a, being a student of hardcore and a resident of New York in general, you may feel like you have to have that like grit and like always yeah. be sharp. And I understand mm -hmm. that, but I didn't, I don't think it ever came off like soft. At yeah. All. I didn't want anybody to think that we're getting slow with age. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I want to show like we can still, we can still fucking bring it. Yeah. Um, and it's also cool. Like having, you know, the record was written during the pandemic and I would, I'm not going to say it's like a pandemic record in, in, in any way, but like, you know, it, it is, cool and interesting to have something now that we made during that time that kind of like documents where we were at mm -hmm. during all that and if it just so happened to come out a little uh a little more aggressive and harsher and and bleaker you know maybe that's what we were that's what we were going through you know yeah well i think a lot of people came out with darker bleaker yeah albums after the <laughs> pandemic for sure um so is Will like your connection to Knock Loose? I know you were saying like you were going to play with Knock Loose, but obviously Will's recorded them, and so I didn't know. I like... think um, he's definitely part of the connection. I'm not sure, man. They, those those kids are, have just been super cool and oh, yeah. supportive of Incendiary forever. Like, um, I'm trying to think. It really kind of escapes me the how, how we met those kids. Oh, actually, I remember. It was actually at Hellfest in Europe in... 2017 i think we were on the same the same stage and, and those things you know everybody kind of pulls up their vans to the back of the stage um and um they were just kind of kicking around and, and we ended up hitting it off with them and actually um at ldb fest um in 2022 you played both yeah. 21 and 22 i think right no we only did it once okay. um i guess it would have been 22 then yeah um they they had just finished recording um their their latest ep with will mm -hmm. um and they were i think this the first band or one of the first bands that recorded in will's new studio and at ldb we we were it was ldb fest and then going right to record with will oh, cool. um so we saw them at ldb and they were telling us how sick his new studio was and how happy they were with everything so um yeah, there's definitely that's definitely part of the connection, um, and they got us very excited about going back to record with Will um, again. But um, I mean, they are just like they're fucking supportive, stoked on hardcore kids still, yeah, and yeah. they just m murdered it at on Coachella. Yeah, um, I'm I sure everybody saw up. that. Yeah, I was gonna bring yeah, that up. Yeah, dude, like un unbelievable, and like they're just a band where like you're you want to see them win, you know? Yeah, like of course. you feel like they're doing it for everybody, and like. You know, I know there's been hardcore bands and bands that come from hardcore that have played Coachella more recently over the last three to five years or so. But like sonically, Knock Loose is by far the most, to me at least, like sonically authentic to hardcore. Mm -hmm. Like it's screaming fucking vocals nonstop. Yeah. It's super relentlessly heavy music um, and like no, no image or no angle or anything like that. And it's 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 
hardcore presented very authentically to that audience for you know what might be one of the one of if not the first time and getting a hardcore response at that at that level so yeah you know it it, it definitely it was super impressive to see and like again you just want to see him win and it, you couldn't be happier for him yeah they're not necessarily like um the only hardcore band that's ever played or heavy band that's ever played Coachella and I don't necessarily pay attention to Coachella that often it's on the other side of the country for me and I don't necessarily I've never even been to it or cared really to go but yeah. they you know I don't know if another heavy band that's uh, what I mean yeah a heavy band is like headlined or not headlined but like played late in the evening like when they live streamed their set last not this past weekend but the weekend prior um that was like crazy and i think you know and everyone you know there's a lot of reporting going on about uh you know hardcore at at um coachella and the crowd and the audience and the mosh pit was like the biggest mosh pit coachella has seen which that is a feat but also i don't necessarily know how many mosh pits go on in coachella in general yeah. so i don't know you know what, <laughs> it, what looked, level it, it looked it, no crazy. it was i mean yeah it was, it was insane i watched the, the of, yeah. watched most of it but it is insane kind of also to see how it was the second weekend because clearly you know uh, the audience was bigger the second weekend around because all that publicity that they had ga- uh, garnished yeah. the weekend before, you know, with all the outlets sharing the stuff and and whatnot. But that's yeah. actually a good point. I didn't really, I didn't really think of that. Like you kind of saw like the real time uh, impact of mm-hmm. that. People seeing weekend one and being like, "Damn, that looked crazy! I need mm-hmm. to see that. We, <laughs> I need to be part of that for weekend two. Well, um, and online too, because obviously, you know, you have people that are just like you know people that aren't into hardcore that are just like searching the live streams on Coachella because they had multiple different live streams and you may not want to watch a DJ this particular moment or you may not want to watch a rap person or an indie band but on this other channel <laughs> you have like complete and utter fucking chaos going on and yeah. um, I, I would I would want to know how many people just didn't know what to expect and they're in the crowd just waiting for like a Another waiting act. for Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, waiting for another spin, actor. Something spin like kicked that. in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny though, because um, I like to ask, and you're you're probably one of the better groups to ask because you guys are from that area of the world where hardcore kind of was birthed for the most part in the United States. Um, it's got to be kind of crazy to see like where it's come. Not even just for Knock Loose, but obviously because you have. Uh, ties with Knock Loose for the last couple of years, you've been able to really watch them close-handedly almost grow sure. into whatever the hell monster they are now. But I mean, like hardcore in general too, you've also been able to watch the ups and downs of that, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, trend, you know, for yeah, years I and mean, years. And right now it's like insanely huge. For sure. I think, you know, yeah, and you know, I'm 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 a little older. I've been been. Um, We're all older. You know, I've, I've, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen a few. I've seen a few waves of things go. And yeah, you know, like yes, we are from New York, um, but more specifically Long Island, which you know, in my kind of like early to prime like show going days, like sh- things were exploding on Long yeah. Island, like the Taking Back Sunday, brand new Glassjaw, like movie life, like things things were exploding like i was seeing bands that i had just literally just seen play a bowling alley on mtv like the next month um so you know i've seen a wave like that and maybe that's not as that's not um necessarily all like um defined as as hardcore but it was definitely coming from it's in the vein bands. it's in the vein yeah and they make no mistake like those bands all came from like the hardcore subculture and scene on long island um that's usually how it happens 
Yeah. You know, you'll find all these bands, uh, and they'll be fans of heavy bands or whatever, but they may go right like more of a post-hardcore or an emo-style yeah, record. And it's Yeah, and, and like hardcore, the hardcore subculture and the hardcore scene also like offers the infrastructure for like any type of, you know, artist or band or musician or whatever. Like if you're, you know, indie singer-songwriter guy, like you don't really know how to book your own shows, but like if you can get plugged in with the guy booking, you know, the On the Might of Princes show or something, you know, that that might, that might make sense for you. And now you have a show and get kind of swept up in that whole thing. So I think, you know, even if sonically, a lot of those bands may not be hardcore, like having the infrastructure of shows and scenes and that kind of like machine behind you on Long Island, I think, you know, helped get bands who don't set, maybe didn't sound hardcore, but like, you know, came up from that scene, got them elevated and got them the experience they need to, to take a band out. Yeah. Um, at seeing it for such a long period of time and the ups and downs of and the popularity growth and you know loss of loss of popularity over over the years what level do you personally think Brian that hardcore can get without selling out like how big do you think hardcore can really get without being like mainstream um you mean like relative to where it is today or just um maybe in general with like other genres yeah, like I mean, like I don't think it's outrageous to say that. Like I think it's bigger now than like literally ever. Oh, and of course, I hundred percent agree. Right, like yeah. so, and to, and to be honest, I think I don't. If you asked me like a year ago, I might be able to give you an answer. But like after the last year, yeah. since the since Turnstile and Knock Loose, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. there is no ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know what else it could be. Like it's you can great. get Taco like, Bell commercials, and you can you can almost headline I mean, Coachella. Yeah, there's no there there is no ceiling that that I can see now. Um, I'm just yeah, asking because it seems, cause like, we, it seems we, like we gotta get more possible. We gotta get more money in in this uh, in this little yeah. in this little world. I know. You, guys are o- world. you guys are OGs here. I know. No, 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 not we. Not we do. We we all have to get more revenue into the hardcore world so bands can further their art and their you know and play yeah. more shows and not have to. Because you know what what I think about all the time is you know we do have these bands that last 20 years like you know Incendiary and all these other like I keep saying like every time I die, but they're no longer one of those bands. So I can't really use them as an example, but you know, bands like that, that were able to withstand like a 20 year career. But I also think about like all the bands that just put out like an EP or a seven inch or one album and they were, or, you know, they were around for three, four five years and they just couldn't make enough money on the road or this, that, the other. Yeah. And they get, they kind of gave it up, you know? And, yep. um, you know, some of those bands and some of those albums are top tier, hardcore albums or metalcore albums. You know what I mean? And, yeah, it's just like how can we put hardcore in front of enough people to maintain it, like to maintain right. enough and activity. support everybody. Yeah. yeah, to keep to keep it going. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like with with incendiary, like one of the I'm not gonna say benefit, but like we don't like we, we've never relied on the band as as income. You know, like mm-hmm. we all have our our lives established kind of outside of this and. You know that's very like liberating we can we can do things that maybe don't make sense or we just we just add up like what i'm trying to say is like i can see how difficult it is for someone who is relying on this to to pay bills and, mm. and make rent and you know support people at home um and you're you're 100 right like the, there's not it just it doesn't seem like there's enough to go around and especially if you're living in new york or new right. york or brooklyn or new york city it's it's damn near impossible but 
Um, yeah, you're right though, man. With the with the heights it's been taken to, hopefully we start seeing you know some of the the economy of it become a little more equitable for for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of start seeing little thing like hardcore being represented represented in other areas of like big major rock festivals. You know, like you'll have like the Danny Wilmer. Uh, festivals like Rockville and Sonic Temple and Incarceration, and you'll have mm-hmm. you know other big rock shows that pop or rock festivals that pop up all over. Um, you know, like Con- like Converge is playing Rockville or the Danny Wilmer festivals, right? And they're playing Rockville, which is an hour away from here uh, in Daytona. But you know, like last night, I looked up the schedule because they they released like the schedule and the stage and all that stuff. What stages? What what bands are playing on what stage? And I'm like, and I'm a Converge fan, longtime Converge fan. And here I am Damn. looking, and I'm like, oh, they're going to be playing the smallest stage <laughs> at mm. the entire show. But again, that's one of the bands that I'm going more to see, you know. And yeah. uh, it just like, how can I get like, how can we get Converge to maybe like play a different stage? Yeah, I mean that's the first step, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, getting them on the show is is start. And like, listen, no better band than Converge to be someone's you know entry point oh, to yeah. hardcore especially if it's going to be seeing a band live um you know i think i think that is that's that's how it happens you know somebody's there to see i don't know who fucking plays that thing but <laughs> slipknot, <laughs> slipknot. Every, yeah, every, sure. fucking tour. And, every fucking every fucking yeah somebody's going to see slipknot and then walk past the stage and see converge doing their thing live like it's going to be hard not to be impressed and, and want to find out more about that how um as a hardcore kid that's grown up in the hardcore scene have you noticed how how Slipknot has infiltrated the sound of hardcore and metal over the years? Uh, like, you're—I think you're asking the wrong guy for that. Like, I mean, I'm not like—I don't think you're uh, a fan of Slipknot, but obviously the kids. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Like, I don't, um, I don't like know it enough to be able to mm, kind of recognize mm. if those references I are get there. You. I get um, you. I think one of the—I big... mean, I think it's—they're definitely like normalized. Like to me, as when I was a shithead hardcore kid in you know late high school. Slipknot, like not having it, not you're not you're like fucking not allowed. <laughs> you know, like I didn't even. It's gatekeeping yeah. all day long back in the day, was, and I remember it. Yeah, and like you know, part of it was like that that kind of attitude that was around then. But like also, like it was a fucking tough sell. Like I I saw the masks and the outfits, I was out. <laughs> I didn't even have to hear a fucking note. I was out. Now though, that to me is brilliant. The mask shit is brilliant. Yeah, like, you stood out. It was a gimmick for sure. For sure, yeah, but it was like a good now, but dude, think about it now. Like one of my biggest things is when I see like a, a band play, especially a hardcore band or any type of heavy band, that you know when the music needs to be delivered with like a youthful energy or some kind of like aggressive mm, energy. Mm, yeah, I think I know where you're going. Seeing like an aging band yeah. looking old and looking weathered and looking haggard, like it doesn't fucking connect and it really makes it hard to like want to still go see that live or enjoy it when I do see it live Slipknot with those masks they're timeless they're ageless they look exactly the same and they can they can change it like they have over the years and they make it a thing every record it's like what's the new mask gonna be like I think it's fucking brilliant now like there's still not much in their music for me and I've, I've you know I've gone back and checked out the first record or two semi-recently. That's all, that's all you got to do. Brian, that's all you got to do. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was, yeah, it was like genuinely um, better than I expected it to be. Um, but um, yeah, the mask shit, the thing that really turned me off to begin with, now <laughs> I the think selling is point. like the coolest part of the band to me. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, I can't wait to see the Incendiary lineup on this uh, current tour that's going out in June and the new mask, which you guys are going to have popping uh, mask-wise for you guys on the live show. That'd be good. 
yeah, we'll see what we can come up with by then. Yeah, but you're right. You know, you can't all like. It's a good point that you brought up that I never even thought about, like the youthful delivery, because uh, you can't you can't always be like Vinny Stigma from Agnostic Front, who is doesn't seems not like, to age at all. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, he, that guy is right. There is no fucking playbook for how to be an aging hardcore guy in your sixties. That guy every day. That guy's writing, writing that playbook. Yeah, and yeah, legend. Yeah, that's crazy. Speaking of which, uh, not speaking of which, but speaking of old time uh, hardcore, how'd you kind of how'd you kind of get into hardcore like how do you bite the you know bite your teeth into it yeah um i mean you know i was into like many people my generation i guess i was into like green day nirvana like rock like heavier rock music was the alternative or whatever mainstream that was on the radio in my parents car so i was into stuff like that that eventually took me to more metal stuff pantera slayer metallica um and then, um, you know, once I got into like, once I started hearing like the Roadrunner Records type stuff. Oh man, stuff, you and I. Yeah, stuff like that kind of made it a little more tangible. Like when I learned that Vision of Disorder VOD was from Long Island, but they had a CD that was on the same fucking poster mm. as like Sepultura and like yeah. and all this other shit. I was like, oh my god, like. The, you can be from Long Island and like ha, like have a real CD and do that. It. it made it made it like very tangible. So yeah. that kind of got me looking for more. Um, and you know there was a um, I probably told this on a, on a million a million uh, interviews by now, but like there was a record store that I just happened to grow up very close to uh, called None of the Above Records in Center Reach, and they sp- like specialized in punk and hardcore and local heavy mm. alternative music. And the sign outside just said alternative music. And again, walking distance before I drove. And Long Island is not a walking city yeah, yeah. <laughs> by any means. So, you know, I'm, I'm 13, 14 years old. And I can walk to this record store. And I went in looking for, you know, Green Day and Nirvana CDs. And I came out with a fucking Earth Crisis victory <laughs> sampler and just yeah. had had access to all this stuff at, a, at an early age. And that, you know, that kind of like discovery part of it was a lot of like obviously i was drawn to the music but like mm-hmm. i really enjoyed how hard like how hard it was to find bands and find music if that makes sense like oh, yeah i don't know i kind of missed that like you oh yeah i was just going to ask you that's why that was like my lead in to the next couple yeah. Of questions yeah yeah but go ahead yeah no like it was it was fun like you know i'd get a flyer on the way out of the show and mm-hmm. like oh this band's logo looks cool and then the next time i went to the record store try to find that record or like you know a record that looked like that one and like oh the guy in this this in this seven inch is wearing a fucking i don't know one for one t-shirt i gotta find what that band's about and like you know i th- part of that like hunt and and discovery really made it kind of like a full-time hobby for me yeah. before i was even really able to go to shows i was just you know enjoyed that and enjoyed feeling like yeah. i had this like i was in on this on my own little thing that's kind of like the same for, for me i mean like i did I dabbled in the Roadrunner bands because <clears throat> I'm from Jacksonville, and uh, you know you had uh, Vision of Disorder. I had Limp Biscuit, and yeah, you know, true. Limp Biscuit had records. You know they they're from here, and they had records in in the store that I could go to. And so, yeah. like, you know, in Roadrunner too, I I went down that rabbit hole too, and then eventually uh, I found your buddy's Glass Jaw and Hatebreed. Uh, yep. And there you go. You know that that changed my life to this trajectory from new metal and uh, it's not been the same since but i definitely 
was going to ask you about like the sampler thing and and like it just seemed like it's it's so easy to find music these days and like the younger generation you know is doing just fine finding all these bands and and whatnot and some could argue that there's too many bands to even search through because there are literally a a million bands popping out each day whether on Bandcamp or some other kind of sound uh song platform or music platform but like there's something to be said about like getting those free samplers and like because you would take that and you would actually listen to it it's not like yeah someone telling you to check out a song and you can go stream it you have this physical thing that you had whether it was like uh you know, following you around or something like that in your head that you're like, I have to check it out or whatnot. Yeah. You, know, you couldn't really just toss it aside. I mean, you could definitely, but it's physical. It's in the real world. You have to look at it and handle it. Yeah. And like, I, I think about it like, you know, I've often thought like, I remember like buying records and like getting new music was like an investment, hmm. you know, like before I like, you couldn't even know what the record, yeah, and you wouldn't even know what the record sounded like. In the yeah. Film. Like I'm, I'm talking, I'm like, I'm taking my like lawn mowing money, you know, to none of the above and like buying, I, maybe I had enough for like one CD a week. Right. Yeah. And like, I would spend that week, like finding something in that record. I liked if I invested in that and that was like the only sunk all my money at the time into a record, mm. like, you know, I would, I, I had to find something I liked because I invested into it. You know, that really kind of made, you know, some records that like on first listen, you know, now like on Spotify, if I'm not feeling it in the first fucking 30 seconds of the first song, I'm out. And that's, I think that's, I'm like, as a detriment, as a detriment, you know, yeah, definitely. Like I'm sitting there with the CD book, listening to it. Like that was what I was doing. I wasn't, I was listening to music was like an active activity. Mm. Like it's not, it wasn't something I was doing while I'm commuting or Mm -hmm. like while I'm exercising or, you know, while I'm walking to get coffee, like I was sitting there in front of the fucking CD player with headphones on and the booklet, like actively taking it all in and finding something I liked in this. And, you know, I, I, I wonder if it's like possible now for people to, you know, create as strong connections with, uh, with artists and records Mm -hmm. without, without doing that. Like, can you still develop, have like a favorite artist and be, you know, as into bands as, you know, as we were back then, because it's, it's a little more, you know, transient. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally could agree with you and I see where you're coming from, but I think also with the, with the addition of like, as bad as it is like social media and the internet and stuff like that, I think that they do become fans because they can see, like, again, they can, it's true. Yeah. You get a bigger glimpse into their life. Yeah. And you have more connection with them. However, yeah, that's true. Actually. You feel like you know these people. Right. And you may not even like the music at that point. You just may like the guys or the the band or the people in the band. Yeah. You're right. You just want to support them. But, uh, yeah, to go back to what you're saying and like sitting with an album for like 40 minutes or an hour, you know, that is, you do have to like force yourself to like a lot of those things. Cause like I'll give go ahead. the best example I can give is brothers keeper. Do you remember that band? Oh yeah. 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 Trust kill. Trust kill. Right. I bought the brothers keeper record. <laughs> one with the guy with the hoodie on the cover. I'm like, all right, this is going to be sick. The cover of this record looks awesome. Wasn't looks sick like at the every, first listen. Huh? Every, every cool person I've seen at a show looks like this guy. Um, and no, at first I was like, Oh man, what did I do? Yeah. And then, I fucking ate shit for a while, and eventually I was like, "All right, yeah, I kind of this guy's voice is kind of like Snapcase. I can get into." But that, that. happens like, all the time. Yeah, that, but that happened all the time. It doesn't happen all. It doesn't happen now. Currently, all the time. no. That's what I mean. Now I'm making kind of snap judgments. Right, I'm, I'm for sure guilty of it. Like, well, I think everyone you know, is I'm, because of the 
internet and your attention span is so fucking short these days. But, you know, like, that's why pop music is so easy for a lot of people. Like, you can listen to a Taylor Swift song or insert pop name there. You know, you can, that stuff's been made for you to like it instantly. But a lot of those songs, a lot of those albums don't stay with you for the longevity of, like, you know, years and years to come. Whereas the albums that you sit there and you force yourself to listen to, you know, like, Black metal is one of those things that I nev- never really was into until like the last handful of years. I like subjected myself to it enough peripherally to where like it doesn't sound all like trash to me anymore. Like I can sit through a lot of black metal these days, whereas I couldn't before. So, yeah. you know, it's like you have to get with something and then it, it eventually permeate your, you know, your subconscious to where you are thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, maybe like your taste evolved. Yeah. Like suffocation is a good example of that for me like death metal band from long island Mm -hmm. um our first we recorded our first lp crusade at a studio with with joe sincata who did a bunch of suffocation records um around that time and and was there was their sound guy for a while and those guys were always in the studio and coming through and like i remember like recognizing and realizing like oh these guys are like fucking legends around here (laughs) and i would go home and like try to check out the songs and like it was too fucking above my yeah, head yeah. <laughs> at the time. I was like, this is for sure brutal and heavy, but like, I'm not there yet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but then fast forward, you know, six, seven, eight years later, um, I started getting into more, like that stuff started making more sense to me. And, you know, the like intensity of it and the technicality of it was more challenging to me. And like, I, I appreciated that. And that's what kind of like drew me into it. So mm. while I had always kind of like, respected their place in history and like understood that they were a known like legendary band from my from my town and from my area um it did like the music didn't actually connect with me until later in life and now they're like one of my favorite bands ever yeah yeah. I, i think a lot of people do that i think a lot of people have the same you know situation happen to them if you're willing enough and again this may be for someone who's just like a music person whereas obviously like you play music you're in a band you've had a long relationship with music you're a music guy you appreciate it more so than the average person does so like you're willing to go back and listen to something that you probably yeah. didn't like back in the day and i think uh like i mean i'll do that with bands that i've only liked certain albums of or something like that like like hate breed i didn't necessarily like under the knife or satisfaction as much but then perseverance you didn't comes like satisfaction as much, much as like well, what was your entry point you came in at perseverance no right before so like my friends are all showing me satisfaction and under the knife oh, right? okay and like yeah 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 and like it just i could have been a snob for the recording like the, the way the because i was coming from like rodan records and everything's sounding at the time more polished and not as yeah. like diy so you know you have the uh, the sound yeah. of the recording and the mastering and the production on that on those albums but then you have perseverance come out and that's a totally different level and then technically it's kind of like the same band, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. minute changes in sound from record to record, but same band. But now, you know, as I've gotten older, like I steered clear, uh, I didn't steer clear, but like I wandered away from hardcore and went more into like the metalcore world for like a big part of my like early 20s and stuff like that. And then in the last 10 years, it's just been more hardcore because yeah. I just like started going back to more of my roots because I grew up do, going to local hardcore shows, and local punk shows. There weren't like metal bands playing around here or anything like that. So I was grew I grew up on that. And then it's just even going to shows and festivals and going around the country and being a part of these, you know, events and stuff like that, I'm always just more attracted to the hardcore bands. 
Like it's mm. just more of a wild scene, I guess. It's, it reminds me more of like those punk shows I used to go at, like how, like you know, someone's house or like. Yeah. And I still go to house shows too if there's one available. But like, just reminds me of a more youthful kind of situation and less bullshit. Like you know, like yeah. metal and metalcore kind of does have like a lot of bullshit in the industry behind them with record labels and bands and stuff like that. It just seems more upfront with hardcore. Yeah, yeah. With with, I mean, I was always no offense to, to anyone, no shade to anybody or anything. I'm just saying, in my no, personal, no, it's just yeah. different different flavors. Yeah, um, I was always drawn to hardcore, to because the way it was like presented to me, especially on Long Island, like there was like almost no image or fashion or anything like attached to it. Like, yeah, you know, I really like, you know metalheads i would see metalhead dudes and be like leather jackets and fucking long hair and, and crazy yeah. boots and shit and i'm like wow that's like that's that's a lot and i would same thing with like punk dudes like fucking charged mohawks and like million patches and shit uh-huh. i'm like that's that's a lot like yeah you know but i hardcore i saw people that like oh that looks like you know the guy i go to high school with or like that looks like the guy i see you know at the mall walking around right that's looks like the guy i see skateboarding behind behind walmart like they they just look like regular fucking people like i look like and then get up there kill a set have a crazy pile on sing along people beating the shit out of each other while they play they get off stage and they look exactly the same like i was really drawn to that kind of like uh subversive but almost like it's like a duet like a oh yeah 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 yeah. double identity you know like like oh you don't have to like have a a crazy look or I don't want to call it a costume. I'm refraining from calling it a costume. Um, <laughs> but like, you don't have to have like, like I didn't have the energy to sit around sewing shit onto my jacket or like, right. you know, doing a grow, growing a crazy hairdo. Like I just wanted to fucking go to a show and mosh and sing along and shit. And yeah, I think some of that, the, the, the absence of the, the fashion and the image, although it has its own, you know, fashion right. um, associated with it, but I don't know, it just seemed more casual. Like, I really like that. Like, it looks like everyday people just getting up there doing it, yeah. getting off stage, and then, and then continuing to live their lives, you know? I think I have to agree with you on that, because I think that's... and sub, Subliminally, I think that's probably the same reason why I kind of gravitated more towards it, because it is more like a... Uh, yeah, there is no kind of, like, you know, outfit that you have to have for it or, or anything, and it's more of a... Uh, just anyone do whatever you want, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't really know, think of it that there, way. There obviously is. There obviously is. Uh, you know, Sex everybody's wearing the, yeah. Vans sneakers, right? Right. Like, there, there, there. A lot of shaved sure heads. Are. A lot of shaved heads. A lot of this yeah. and the other tattoos. But you can but also again, be my a, entry point. Yeah, I'm like, oh man, I that guy's fucking hoodies from the Gap, man. I know where that is. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it just seemed more tangible to me. I and guess there are, is what I'm saying. and there are cool looks within the hardcore world. Like you were saying, like that's why you got the Brothers Keeper CD or album because you're like, yeah, hey, that, that guy, guy looks cool like one of the cool dudes at the show. I'm gonna fucking do that. Yeah. So there are yeah. there are outfits that are in hardcore, but it's I think it's like like you said, like if you're into metal or if you were into metal at the time and you had this specific, like you carried yourself as a metalhead, you had long hair and you probably dressed a certain way. You people could know that you are into that outside of that, and I think sometimes, like taking the time to sew like stuff on your battle vest or putting spikes on your arms uh, and you know jackets and whatever, that's also like I don't want to say conforming, but also kind of like joining into this, like you're buying into this look and buying into this vibe, whereas you just can't. Like, it, yeah. how much of that is yourself, or how much are you just right. trying to fit in with the scene? So hardcore yeah. seemed like it was a bunch of just random ass. At least in our my time, I, like you know, early two thousands, late nineties, you know, here in 
fucking North Florida, which is totally different than what you were experiencing yeah. at that time there. But so also not forget that Long Island also had within hardcore had a very uh, <laughs> high profile fashion core movement. Oh yes. that, yeah, yeah, I bought into that. Of, had a lot of code and and style attached to it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely really bought into some fashion in core bands every now and then. That was that was fun yeah. back in the day. Um, yeah, the music was some of the music was was cool. I still I went to plenty of the shows. Um, but yeah, that kind of permeated itself into into hardcore on Long Island too. So I, I saw a lot of that. Thanks, I think California. I, so I don't know if I if we circled back to uh to, to your earlier question about like um you know where where do you see it going and um like how much bigger can it get mm-hmm. like there was also like around this time like shit was pretty fucking big and like the trust kill records oh my God. records like Ozfest, like yeah yeah sounds hard, like hardcore bands that were playing the vfw were like on Ozfest playing like stadium parking lots well you like, had hellfest too, too. In, in new york you had the hellfest you know festival the u.s yeah. hellfest festival in syracuse and then eventually new jersey yeah but like i would go to i went to you know a few Ozfests where i would see like you know I mean, Hatebreed was, I guess, up there at that point, but I would see Unearth yeah. and Every Time I Die mm-hmm. and uh, Black Dahlia Murder, Terror in some cases. Like, you would see bands that, like, oh, I saw them at the hardcore show at the VFW, but now they're on a fucking stadium parking lot tour and, you know, their videos on MTV, too. So, like, it did have a pretty big moment. I guess that's, like, 20 years ago oh, by yeah. now. Um, so, it kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's ebbed and flows, and I think the... The trajectory it's on right now, though, is is bigger than than all of that. I think because uh, I agree with you, and I want to say, in my own kind of like, what I think happened, and I there's there's, there's no water. I can't hold any water in this your theory, but uh, I think MTV did get involved. MTV started playing videos on MTV Two, and you know you'd you'd hear like certain bands uh, in between, like. You know, you'd have like clips of their song in like Road Rules or Real World in the background yeah. during like a fight scene or some wild ass shot or whatever. And I want to say like record labels started seeing like money to be made. And that's where you start seeing like some clean singing stuff and like metalcore start coming up. But you also oh, yeah. see like a cash grab situation where like 100%. Hot Topic was just like basically like the metalcore store for a long yeah. time. And um, I think that kind of really did kill a lot of. Uh, people who were into it at that time and they just kind of moved on and, and again a lot of people probably had kids and relationships and got real i don't want to say real jobs but got you know other jobs careers that, careers yeah. yeah that would that took up more time than just part-time gigs and then that kind of took away from the actual audience at that time and then it was just replaced by an audience that was kind of like you know liking things that weren't necessarily core things to like the scene that we were privy to but being yeah. that being said I think it failed after a couple of years and you had a very big lull of like metalcore and I don't, you know, maybe even hardcore, but I think now that you have this newer, younger generation coming in and filling in the gaps, you know, cause now we're seeing a resurgence in just like a, um, population, you know, is just replacing the, the old population is being replaced by the new younger population. Right. So yeah. you're starting to see just like a plethora of just like other sounding hardcore. Like, and I, I honestly think like new metal has, certainly influenced hardcore uh greatly in these last couple of years i think knock loose is big into that and i don't i know i argue with people all the time but knock loose and this is not a fucking uh negative comment i love new metal 
and I love Knock Loose. But yeah, I, I can I, tell that's your. I, yeah, <laughs> I loud think, and proud, baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to bring it back. You know what I mean? It suffered long, suffered death long, long time ago. Got to bring it back. But I think they do. You know, a lot of kids grew up on fucking Slipknot and stuff like that. Yeah, and there's listen. no way that it can't impermeate the style of writing that they do now, 10, 15, 5, yeah. 20 years later, you know? So it Nobody is, it was is. fucking born, nobody's born with a fucking minor threat 7-inch in their <laughs> in their hand. Like, you have to, like, find this shit somehow. Right? Yeah, if yeah. you're entry point, like, yeah, like, mine's Green Day and Nirvana. Like, eventually it got there. Like, you know, if I if I was born 10 years later, it would probably be Slipknot and, and something else. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it does play an influence. I'm sure they would agree that. I mean, there's definitely new metal in, in incendiary music. Like, we, there's plenty of new metal that we, we enjoy and, um, yeah. and still think is cool. And you're from New York. You're from fucking up there. Like, I can't... E-Town Concrete, to me, sometimes... In Earth Crisis, yeah. obviously, they do have... Careful, like, careful here. I know, I know, I know. Boys. We're going yeah, gonna, right. gonna to tap dance. Uh, yeah. But I, I bring it. I brought it up a lot. Earth Crisis does have like a new metal album, and they do have new metal influences and stuff like that too. But with hip hop and hardcore coming from like the same area, it's like, you know, it was so budding in the '80s. Both of those scenes, right? And they were so small. And I always felt like hardcore was so related to hip hop. And you know, as I've grown up learning the history, clearly it is. But then I'm thinking, like, no wonder. When I hear sometimes I hear Etan Concrete and I'm like, what new metal band is this that I haven't heard of, you know? And I'll listen to yeah. it and then people get all offended. And I'm like, I'm not saying that in a bad way, dude. I'm just saying like they come from the same neighborhoods, you know, like hip hop and, and yeah. hardcore, the same neighborhood. So how can it not sound like a little bit of rap? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. If somebody in the band is going to be bringing their flavor into it, then I'm sure listens to, listens to hip hop. And yeah, like, you know, I, I mean, to, to your point, like I'm. I wish I wish E Town was a, a household name in the new metal new metal <laughs> moment. They made a fucking great record, yeah. Renaissance, dur- during all that great sounding record. And like, sure, people will you know, people may write them off as like a you know as, a, as the hip hop thing or whatever. But like, you sit down and listen to that record, like that is some pretty advanced and impressive musicianship and and playing and songwriting. They took some risks, man. There's like mm. a ballad on there for a tough guy band from Jersey. That is a big risk to take. Yeah. Um, and then there's a hard ass song with Josta still like that. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's hard for me to see like you know listen to something. It, I, I wish they were in the conversation. Like they had a bigger that that record was good enough and just as good as a lot of the stuff that blew up around then that you're, you know, um, talking about with the hip hop mm-hmm. influence that like it it, it could have been them too. Yeah, and again, not a knock on anybody. I just think it's funny when people get kind of like, oh. They're not like Limp Bizkit. It's like, dude, they kind of are. But I'm not saying one's better than the other or one's worse. And it's not, it's not a negative. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah, Hip hop has influenced face, that face hardcore. Value, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it is what it is. All right. Brian, we're coming to the end, man. It's seven o'clock. Damn. All right. It happens quick, doesn't it? Yeah, it did. We really got into a groove there. That's what <laughs> just you guys that's nerding what out on some, on some bullshit. It was that, fun. That's, that's what I like to do, man. That's why I like to have it like this. And obviously, we didn't get to explore a lot of like other things outside of the band like I told you we might do in the beginning. But nah, it's all good. It's, yeah, it's, we, it's great that we got to cover a lot of, a lot of ground. And you know, you, it's hard to cover everything within an, an hour, especially if we're just talking in general. And you know, yeah. it's good to hear all the things that the guest is saying because... You're, you know, I'm basing a lot of what I'm talking about off of whatever the guest is talking about. That's what I try to follow the guest for and just get what I think might be good 
you know, content for a hardcore fan or incendiary fan or someone who just stumbles upon this video or audio, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what it's all about. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you guys. Definitely, uh, not you guys, but I appreciate your time. And I appreciate Thank you guys you. as incendiary. And if you've made it this far in the podcast, uh, the album comes out June 17th. This podcast comes out May. So it's coming, out in, it's coming out in two weeks or three weeks. Yeah, from... record's coming out May 26th. May 26th. Sorry. May 26 is the, is the release date. Yeah. Um, May 26 on Closed Casket Activities. Um, our record release show is June 17th. That's, That's probably where. Yeah. I'm confused. Yes, you're yeah. right. Um, yeah. yeah. We're going to let it marinate for a couple weeks and, and then go play it live at that awesome, show. Awesome. Awesome, man. Um, well, this this podcast doesn't come out probably till the 26th. Uh, or the week after, to be honest with you. Oh, that would be, yeah, that's cool. So perfect timing. And then out of curiosity, because I know like Friday is going to be an announcement for Sound and Fury. Are you guys playing Sound and Fury out there? Um, we are not this year. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, scheduling didn't work out. We'd love to do it. Um, we're doing our own LA show that actually Sound and Fury presents. Oh, um, cool, cool. The that, Sound so and Fury team is, book, is booking for us. Yeah, awesome. us, Mind Force, Take Offense, a bunch of our friends. Oh, damn. Um, so yeah, um, unfortunately we couldn't this year. Would have been great with the uh, you know on the back of the new record, but schedules are tough and it just it just didn't work out. Hopefully next year. Um, it was I mean we've been lucky enough to play that thing three times. Each time was better than the last. Yeah, I mean, and that fest keeps getting better. better I had than the last, so much so. foam. I've never been to the Sound and Fury yeah. Festival. And I'm the East Coast guy, but you're obviously the not Europe, but they're on the West Coast. And, yeah. Um, there, I had so much FOMO from every fucking clip I saw from Sound and Fury this Dude, it year. Was on a, it looked like it was on another level, and I know they're trying to top it. And, like, I've, I've said it before, like, they understand all angles of how to put together a successful event for everyone. And what I mean by that is, like, the showgoer experience is on fucking lock, but the artist and band's playing experience, also on lock. <laughs> like, yeah. all the shit that, like, you didn't even know was a pain in the ass they already sorted for you when you get there oh, yeah. like it's they take care of everything and That's they cool. they have a special a special thing going on i'm sure this year's lineup and and venue and everything that they're bringing to the table they're gonna outdo themselves yeah. again and yeah I, I hope to be part of it again well, I hope, uh, well, hopefully you go FYA at one, maybe next year's too, because that's closer to us. FYA uh, in Tampa yeah. is closer to us. Maybe you get invited or play that one. But yeah, man, I yeah, appreciate so. Yeah, appreciate your time. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys at some point, hopefully, uh, obviously, because I'm just constantly listening to the new record. But yeah, if you haven't, check it out, check it out, buy it, stream it. I think most of the vinyls are probably gone by this time. I know a lot of them were already sold. Uh, yeah, sold out. Um, first pressing at least. A lot of the a lot of the first press is gone. I think at this time there's a few copies of our Rough Trade exclusive available, but I do know there's a second press um, on the way already. So, um, cool. We should be able to. You know, it should be available again pretty soon. Awesome. Um, stick around for three seconds. I'm gonna close this down, and then I want to chat with you about something else. Off, sure. Off offline. All right. Thanks again, yeah. brother, and we will. Uh, yeah. Best of luck. Thanks, Dave. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. 
tag team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.